I know you're not supposed to worry, but sometimes it's hard not to. I worry about my wife, I worry about my kids, I worry about my parents, I worry about my friends, I worry about my family, I worry about this church, I worry about the health of other people, I worry about my own health, I worry about our city, I worry about our school system, I worry about our country, I worry about our economy, I worry about being able to pay the bills. I worry about whether or not we'll have enough money to get our kids through college. I worry about my future. And part of the reason why all this worry hits is because many times I'm hit with this question of what if? What if this happens? What if that happens? Can anybody relate to this? Yeah. I worry about teaching every single Sunday. What if I mess up? What if I faint? Okay, I I haven't done that yet, so. What if I fall off this stage? Will someone catch me? Yes, thank you. Thanks. In first celebration, I said, what if I fall off this stage? Dead silence. No one is... Love you guys. Uh, but, but there's something within us that just struggles with this what if. You know, this word worry actually comes from an old German word called vergen. And it actually means to choke or to strangle. And that's what worry does. That's what it does. It chokes us out. It strangles us from being able to do what God would want us to see ourselves, of the song that we sung at the end, that we're chosen, we're forgiven. Worry has a way of making us not see those things at all. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but worry to me, it feels like I'm being strangled. Or I get a tightness in my chest, or I wake up in the middle of the night and I just can't go back to sleep because I'm so worried. Again, does anyone know what I'm talking about here? Yeah. You know, worry and stress was such a significant part of my life ten years ago that I actually thought I was having a heart attack. And I had to go to the hospital and they did a treadmill test and a cardio light. And it wasn't that, but they came back and they said, it's stress and worry that's in your life. You know, I have a feeling that there are many people in this auditorium today who battle with worry. Maybe you worry about your kids. Maybe you worry about your marriage. Maybe you worry about being single. Maybe you worry about your job. Maybe you worry about your friendships. Maybe you worry about your house. Maybe you worry about your car. Maybe you worry about your finances. Well, God must have known that you and I would struggle with this thing called worry so much, so He gave to us multiple different Scriptures throughout for us to be able to shake off worry and to take on His name. But it's much easier said than done. In Romans chapter 14, in verse 23, it says this, Everything that does not come from faith 
is what? Is sin. And when I was studying this, I was reading that, and I was like, I don't, I don't like that. But the truth is, folks, worry is the opposite of faith. Worry is the opposite of faith. Worry is sin. Worry is looking at the circumstances in our lives and getting so overwhelmed, so choked out, so strangled by it that we focus on the circumstances rather than trusting in God. Now, right up front, I want to kind of give us a definition of worry. And uh, here it is. Worry is the sin of distrusting the promises and power of God. Worry actually is sin due to us distrusting the promises and the power of God. You know, I never really thought about this until several years ago, but folks, worry is sin. You can either worry or you can trust, but you can't do both at the same time. Worry does not come from God. It actually comes from the evil one. Now, how do we know that worry doesn't come from God? Well, there's a scripture that tells us, and uh, here it is, in 2 Timothy. It says this, For God has not given us a spirit of what? What's it say? Of fear. What's another word for fear? Worry. Anxiety. He, He did not give us this, but instead He gave us a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's who... God, that's what God has given to us. The spirit of fear does not come from God. It's from the evil one. And yet the reality is, many of us get choked and strangled by worry all the time. We actually get gripped by its hold on our life. Now, what Jesus did was He had a lot to say about worry. And here's one uh, scripture that He says it. Jesus said, do not what? What's the next word? Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Now, I did a kind of a word study on worry this week. And almost every single place in the Bible where you find the word worry the two words you find right beside that are, guess what? What? Yeah, exactly. Some of you are like, I do not. No, that's it. Every time. Do not. Do not. Do not do this. Do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. In other words, don't do it. And he actually says, your whole life, you should not have to worry about it. That your whole life, it's all-encompassing. Your emotional life, your relational life, your physical life, your spiritual life. Your life yesterday, which some of you worry way too much about. He says, don't worry about that. Your life today that you're worried about. Or your life in the future, tomorrow. He says, Don't worry. Jesus says, do not worry about anything. Don't worry about it. And why is that? The reason is because you have a Father in heaven who loves you 
And He always has your back. Have you ever noticed that there are rarely more than a handful of people in your life who always has your back? I mean, there just isn't. But God says He'll always have your back, so don't worry. And yet, so many of us, including Christians, we get so focused on worry because we live through a what-if life. We play this game. What if something happens bad to my kids? What if something happens to our house? What if I lose my job? What if I get cancer? What if somebody that I love gets cancer? Then we can't sleep. And then all of a sudden we get a tight chest and we get back aches and neck aches and high blood pressure and ulcers and all kinds of fun things. Then this is what we do. We take some medication just to function because this is the truth about what my life was like for many years and maybe what you're dealing right now is that I was a hostage to the sin of worry. I was a hostage to it. Folks, for most of my life, I was filled with worry. I was a chronic Worrier. But through the power of God, He has really helped me out in many different ways. Now, I have not fully arrived. I still go to the temptation island of worry all the time. But I try not to live there. I visit there, but I try not to live there, and God has given me power to do that. And part of that is kind of three different statements that I hope you'll memorize and start having in your head if you're, if you're strangled with worry. Kind of three statements on how to overcome a stranglehold of worry. Here's the very first one, if you're taking notes. So you can fill this in, or if you want, you could do it on our app as well. Just go to uh, the app page and you can download uh, the JAR app. But it's this, how can I shake off the stranglehold of worry? I will do what God asked me to do. I will do what God asked me to do. Repeat after me. I will do what God asked me to do. Again, I will do what God asked me to do. One more time. I will do what God asked me to do. That's all he says. Now, the problem is, is that there are many Christians, in my opinion, who have over-spiritualized God Himself. They're kind of like this. God is going to take care of everything for me. God is going to work it all out. God is going to do it all. And then somebody becomes unemployed. And they'll come up to me and they'll say, hey, I'm unemployed. And I'll say, well, you know, have you applied for any jobs? No. Uh, well, have you, like, you working on your resume right now? No. Well, uh, you know, are you networking with some people? No. Dude, what are you doing? And they'll say this, I'm just waiting for the Lord to bring me a job. <laughs> really? Or someone will be like, man, I hate being single. I want to get married. I'm like, oh, great. I'm like, have you ever went on a date recently? No? Well, you know, did you take your name and like put it on one of those dating websites and see? No. 
Have you gotten out of your house? No. What are you doing? I'm just waiting on the Lord to bring me my future spouse. Guess what? You're going to be waiting forever. Or people will come up to me and they'll say, man, I'm struggling financially. I'm just struggling. It's like, oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. Do you have a plan? Yeah. I'm like, oh, great. What's your plan? Um, I think God is going to help me hit the lottery. That's, that's the plan. <laughs> You know, there are some people who just try to over-spiritualize everything. Folks, God does not want you to live in denial. You need to do what you can do. You do what ask God for what God asks you to do, but you can do some things. You can do what you can do. For example, if you're having health problems, then maybe you have to look at your diet, or you have to look at exercise, or you have to go to a doctor. You can do that. If you're a student and you have a big exam that's coming up, um, you know, you finally have to decide, I'm going to study. And what you don't do is play video games with your ears to, connected to, you know, the rest of the world playing video games or, you know, actually being on Facebook while you should be studying. If you're in debt, you need to be able to get a budget. Uh, go ahead and do Financial Peace University. Uh, Shane would love to talk to any of you. Shane uh, Brooks, he, he would help with that. Those are the things that you can do. There are some things that God is going to ask you to do because he knows you can do it. You're smart people. You can do it. Jesus' brother, James, said this. He said, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. What's it say? Yeah, do what it says. In other words, this book, folks, is not just a book that we're trying to beat you down with. It's like a love letter from God to you. It's a manual for you to be wise. And you can read it and you can get wiser. I've gotten wiser in my life by reading God's words. You can do that too. Now, there might be uh, some specific things that God will ask you to do that I don't know about, but there are two general things that God wants all of us to do to do. And here's the first one. It is to think on the right things. Think on the right things. God is going to ask you to think on the right things. The problem is, is that worry, when it enters our mind, when worry comes into our mind, all of a sudden we start having stinking thinking. Worry comes in and it's already all there and we start kind of focusing on the wrong things. This is what often happens. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if the other thing happens? Do you realize, folks, that 95% of your what-ifs are never going to happen? But what consumes us is that's what we focus on. This is... Something that we have to work on. And this is the first thing. When a thought pops in your mind, you've got to determine, is this from God or is this from the evil one? And when a negative kind of thought comes and says, what if, what if, what if, you go, that's not from God. And this is the way that I've kind of uh, battled uh, this in my own life. I, I don't memorize every word in the Bible 
but I memorize the words that God has given me so that I can follow through when things hit my life. For example, uh, this is one scripture that I've memorized. It's in 2 Corinthians uh, 10.5, and it says this, I capture every thought and make it give up and obey Jesus Christ. So, a bad thought comes, I'm like, that's not from God, so I capture it, I say, give up, and you have to obey Jesus Christ. I capture it, I say, give up, and then you have to obey Christ. I can do that, you can do that as well. So many times a project at work will come or something with school, and we're like, man, I'm going to bomb this thing. It's going to be horrible. I'm not going to be able to do this. And what do you have to do? You have to capture that thought and say, that's not from God. I'm telling it to give up, and then it has to obey Christ. Oh, I'm always going to be depressed. I'm going to be depressed the rest of my life. I'm going to be miserable. No, you're not. Because that's not a thought from God. That's a thought from the evil one. And then you have to add some other scriptures. Here's one that you could add. God is working all things together for our... What's the next word? Like God wants to do good things for you. For our good, for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And so you read that and you're like, well, I love God. Well, guess what? He wants to do good in your life. He really does. And I may not see it now. The circumstances may not see it now, but eventually it will take place. My daughter Jordan is a worry wart. In uh, first grade, she worried about school every single day. Our uh, principal actually uh, is a uh, partner here at the JAR, and he would have to uh, take her by the hand. We'd get her to the door. You know, it's like, ugh! Get her to the door. And then he would take her by the hand all the way. First grade, every single day. Guess where she got her worry from? Me? I messed that kid up. Somebody in first said, your wife. And my wife went up and hit him in the face. Just joking. Just Well, maybe not. But anyway... um, Folks, if you want to shake off worry, you have to put something in your head. And so for Jordan, this is what we did. We found a scripture verse, Philippians 4.13, and this is what it says. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, and we put it all over her room. If you go to Jordan's room, you'll see it everywhere. It's above her bed. When she goes to sleep at night, she sees it first. Because we had to put other thoughts in her head. Now this is what is ironic. After we started doing that, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, that kid loves school. She wants to be a part of anything and everything with school. She doesn't have that worry because she knows now there's something that she's retrained her mind. That's what you have to do. You have to retrain your mind with just a couple of things from God to help you not have stinking thinking. So, he wants you to do the right things. And then secondly, um, he wants you to do what is wise. God asks you to do two things generally. To do the right things and to do what is wise. Again, Scripture is filled with wisdom. That's why it's so important for you to be able to read this and to be able to apply it to your life. So, if you're, uh, you know, you don't have a job, 
It would be very wise, Scripture would say, to go apply for some jobs. Get a resume out there. Don't be fearful. Don't allow those thoughts to come. If your kids are dishonoring God, novel idea, just go ahead and pray for them. Like, God, this kid is driving me crazy. I mean, with Jordan, we're like, every night we battled for a whole year. God, and finally when we started praying and asking, that was the thought that we had. Give her a Scripture to fill her head every single day. If your marriage is struggling, it would be wise not for you to just keep doing the same thing because guess what? It's not working. Why would you do the same thing over and over again getting the same results? You know what that's called? Insanity. You're you're not sane when you do that. So you get some counseling. You work on that. Get to a small group. Ask some people to help you. If you're single, but you want to get married one day, I would say it would be very wise to get out of your house. Like, go with some friends, hang out with them, uh, look around, maybe you find somebody out there. You know, this is kind of how I met my wife, and looked around, and then all of a sudden one day she walked by, and I smiled. That's a first step for some of you. If you're single, just smile at them. Like, act some, have some interest. And then other things are important too. Like putting deodorant on, brushing your teeth, combing your hair, you know. (laughs) People like that, you know. Folks, you can do that. You can do what is wise. So, there are some things that you can do. There's things that God's going to ask you to do because He knows you can do it. You can do it. And then secondly, though, if you want to break the stranglehold of uh, worry is this. I will give God what I cannot do. I'll do what I can do. I'll do what God asked me to do. But I will give to God what I cannot do. Scripture uh, says this. Give, what's the next word? How many is all? Yeah, like all of it. Everything. Anything you can think of that you're worrying about. All of it. Give all your worries to God because why? He cares for you. Like He wants what is best for you. The problem is, you and I don't believe it. And many of you do what I do. We have this great big box of worries. And we're like, I'm worried about this, I'm worried about that, I'm worried about the other thing. But then all of a sudden, in an act of faith, this is what we do. We're like, okay, God, I know it's sin to worry. I don't want to worry anymore. So I'm going to take this worry, and God, I'm going to give it to you. Okay, God, you're not doing enough. I'm taking it back. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And what happens is, we have this box of worry, and here's the problem that I know for us. This is the problem for many of you. Your worries are too big. And your God 
is too small. Your worries are too big and your God is too small. And so you know what you have to do? You have to get a bigger God and smaller worries. You've got to get a bigger God and smaller worries. You know, I was thinking about it. For some of you, because you're like me, a chronic worrier, you need a God box. You need to just get a box. might be a shoe box, whatever. Put a God box on Just put God's name on it. Uh, a few years ago, I was reading a book, and this illustration came up, and this is what I put on our uh, kitchen counter. Trusting God box. And this is what happens. Whenever you have a worry in our house, we have little sheets of paper, you write them down, and then you put them in the God box. Whatever it is. And then every once in a while, the God box gets too big with the worries. We're beyond that. And we take them out. A couple weeks ago, we took them out, and Jordan had them from first grade. She had 19 of them. There was so many. I'm like, what? And Jordan starts laughing. You know, she's like, uh, help me get through school. I miss mommy. Help me get through school. I miss, my name was never mentioned. I don't know what the problem is. And then you put those in, and that's it. And so if you're worrying about your teenage daughter, you put it in the God box. If you're worrying about your job, you put it in the God box. If you're worrying about your finances, you put it in the God box. If you're worrying about your health, you put it in the God box. If you're worrying about somebody in your family, you put it in the God box. And you leave it there. And then you go to bed. And this is the rule that we have in our house. If you start worrying, whatever you put in the God box, guess what you have to do? You have to take it out. And you have to say this, God, I don't think you can handle what it is, so I'm going to take it and give it and stew over it. But we know that in Scripture, that's not what it is. What did it say? Give all your worries to God because why? He cares for you. And so, this is what we eventually have to do. Is we say, God, I'm going to take all my worries and I'm going to put them in you, and not just all my worries, but my entire life, and that through Christ, I am hidden by God. Now, again, God doesn't want you to live in denial. You can do some things. You need to do what you can do. Do what God asks you to do. But what I cannot do, I give that to God. And then there's one more thing. No matter what, I will trust God. Let's all say this out loud together. No matter what, I will trust God. No matter what, I will trust God. No matter what, no matter what is going on, no matter what I'm worried about, I will trust God. Jesus said these words. He said, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, what's the next two words? Woo! That's the second verse that Jesus has said. The two words before worry is what? Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. 
Many of you are worried about tomorrow. You need not worry about tomorrow because guess what? God is already there. God is already in tomorrow. God is beyond space and time. You do not have to worry about that. Now, potentially, maybe the greatest worry that many of you have is this. And some of you are like, I'm not worried about a dollar. Well, you're worried about money. And this is what I know, is that many of us worry about this a lot, because I do. Do I have enough money to pay the bills? Do I have enough money to get my kids into schooling? Will I have enough money to retire? Many of us have a huge worry about money. And typically, the reason it is, is because we hold our money very, very tightly. We hold it very, very tightly. We worry about losing it. So what we do is we hold on to it extremely, extremely tightly. Now, I'm just talking to those of you who would say, I'm a Christian and Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. If you're not a Christian, hey, you know what? Check your Facebook out real quick, okay? And uh, for three or four minutes, we're going to talk about something, mainly for those of you who would say, I want to follow Jesus. I'm following Jesus with my life. Now, even if you're a Christian, God calls us not to be a tight-fisted person with our money, but He calls us to be open-handed. God says, don't worry about anything because I'll take care of you. And like people memorize that, but when it comes to their money, they hold very, very tightly to it. God, I trust you in every area, but not quite with this. And to help us out with this, what God did was he created a concept in the Bible called the tithe. And the tithe basically is just a concept in the Old Testament and New Testament where it talks about giving 10% of your money to the things of God and His church. It's a principle that God gives to us. And do you know why He gives to us? Not because He wants to take something from us. It's all His anyways. He wants to help us not worry. So He says, if you give the first thing to Me, I'm going to help you not to worry about everything else. Now, you've got to budget your money wisely and that kind of stuff, but if you'll give it to me, I'll help you through all of that kind of thing. And this is what I found in my own life. God can do more with 90% than I can do with 100% on my own. God can do so much more if I give it to Him first. And some of you are like, 10%? No way. Well, start somewhere and work towards that. But all of us, if you're a Christ follower, should be working towards a tithe. Now, percentage giving is kind of a hard concept. Math and percentages was not something I was really good at, and so it's probably why I worried a lot, okay? Because I flunked math a lot, and so I wasn't good at math. So check this illustration out. I hope it will help you a little bit. But every time, there's ten of these, so every time you get one of these, one of these one dollar bills, every single time you get one of these, what you decide ahead of time is that I'm going to give one to the things of God, because I don't want to worry about money, I'm going to trust that He's going to help me through it all. Now, so you take ten of these, and you give one to God. 
Some of you have a glaze over your eyes, okay? So let me help you again, okay? Because I know a lot of you like to go back in there and go, oh, no, I, I think I'd do better. Okay. I was there, believe me. Miser. So every time you get ten of these, you just take one and you give it to God. And then, I don't know, maybe some of you would look and go, you mean I have nine left? Well, God, I'll just go ahead and... Oh, well, let's not get crazy, right? I mean, preacher boy, you stepped across the line. One, that's good, but, you know, any more than that, I don't, I don't, I'm not so sure about that. Now, any questions about this? Now, this is what I found. When these are $1 bills, we have no trouble giving away one. Even when it's $10 bills, we have no trouble giving away 10. But when these things become $100 bills and $1,000 bills and $10,000 bills, we're like, God, I think I'll take that back. And God says, no, 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 no. Whatever it is, just give it because I care for you. Do not worry because I'll take care and provide for you. So, my question for you this morning is this. Are you tight-fisted or are you open-handed? Are you tight-fisted or are you open-handed? Now, personally, I have uh, tithed for over 20 years and God has blessed us to a point we give above that and we love giving to the things of God. And in January, I was doing a lesson on uh, generosity. You might remember it. And after I taught on it, I was like, you know, God, I am pretty generous. I am not tight-fisted. I am very open-handed. And then God has a way of humbling you when you think you are something bigger than what you are. And he sent into my life a little girl who came to our skating party and she heard about a family whose house had been caught on fire. And when she heard about it, she was so overwhelmed by wanting to take care of them. And some of you helped out too. Many of you got brought clothes and you gave money and finances. But this little seven-year-old girl, when she heard about this, she just said, you know what, Mom? Dad, I can't be tight-fisted. I'd like you to check out her story. I think that sometimes life is really unpredictable. Sometimes it rains, sometimes it snows, sometimes it's sunny, and sometimes it's all three. Even though life is unpredictable, I still believe that God has a plan for us. The other day I was getting ready to go to the church skate party at Gibson's, and before we left to go, I heard my mom talking about a father and a daughter who had lost everything in a house fire. My excitement to go skating started to quickly go away, and all I could think about was the father and the daughter who just lost their house. I thought to myself, how can I help? What can I do that might make a difference? So I looked around my room, and there it was, my piggy bank. Now, I might not be the richest person in the whole wide world, but it was all that I had, 
and I wanted to give it to the family who had lost everything. So I took the money out of my piggy bank and told my mom that I wanted to give it to Pastor Chris so he could give it to the family that lost their house. No matter the size of the person and no matter the size of the situation, God can work through anything. Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Personally, I don't know what God's plans are for me and my piggy bank, but I know it's something good that gives me hope for the family that lost their house. No situation is too big or too small for God. You know, I literally was wrecked that day when this little girl brought everything that she had in her piggy bank. $31.25. And she gave it all to this family. And I was wrecked because I thought, you know, I, I really don't trust God with my finances like that. I don't. And I just wonder... For maybe for some of you, that that's the one area that you just have not relinquished to God. That you struggle to know, could I do that? Because the issue is it's not about the money. It's about trusting God. Trusting in the God box. To trust Him to be able to provide for you. When you walked in today in your program, there was a little sheet there that we have a way that you can actually give on the app. It's a way that you can give on the front side. You just go and you click the give button and you can give. And some of you might be like, well, I'm not sure I can do that. I'm not asking you to give for me. Don't give for me. Don't give for anything for that. I'm asking you to give so that you don't have to worry about it and God will help you to trust Him in greater ways. And sometimes it's very difficult when it comes to our money. And you can do that today. You can do that. For others of you, maybe it's not money that you're most worried about, but what you're worried about is a relationship in your life. You have a a sister or a brother. You have a daughter or a son, and they're wayward, and they're far from you and the family, and they're estranged, and you're worried about it. You could give it to God. Give it into the God box. Maybe some of you are unemployed and you're looking for a job or you're in a job and you hate it, but you're worried that if I take the risk, maybe I wouldn't have it. Maybe for others of you, you're worried about your parents or you're worried about uh, whether or not they're going to be able to be healthy enough. Maybe you're concerned about your own health. This is what I know about worry, folks. You do what God asks you to do. And what I cannot do, I give it to God. And no matter what, I trust in Him. And today, there are seven people who will be baptized who have basically said, you know what, I'm going to do what I can do, what God asked me to do. But what I cannot do, I'm going to give it to God and then I'm going to trust Him no matter what. And we'd love to be able to share all of their story, but what we asked them to do was simply share one word that defines who they were before they came to Christ and then one word what their life was like when they met him. 
and since then. And let's check out this video. I could never lose my hope. I've been down this road before. Now I know it's way to go. You can try to drag me down, but I'll be living in the clouds. Everybody has their doubts, but you can't stop now. You just, you just gotta live. Like I need to breathe, yeah. Make it clear, like I need to see. Woo. As a kid, mama told me, sky's a limit till you hit it. Like King Griffey to the Vintage. Out of hell, out the park, hit and run. That's my drive. That's my drive. It's a vibe in that way all my life, yeah. I shut it down when I shine with the truth, yeah. I ride with the truth, get my life to the truth, testify. Walking water like the son of man, understand? I'll never drown. Take a hit, never quit. You know, folks, all of life will bring worry to it, and you have a chance to change your thinking. But the only way you're able to do that is when you give your life to the things of God, and that's what these seven people have committed to do. And I'd just like us to take a moment to uh, pause in prayer and to thank God for them. And then maybe for some of you, you're worrying about something right now. You just heard an entire message about worry and just bringing it up, you're starting to worry about whatever that thing is. And maybe seriously though, God would want to take that away today, to take it away. So let's ask Him. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you so much for each life that is choosing you today to be baptized. We're so grateful for their stories. But maybe today, God, for some of us who are sitting here, our story really is we're a chronic worrier. God, for every single person who's there, I understand because I lived there for so much of my life, worried about everything. Maybe you're not a chronic worrier, but you would say, you know what? Worry has been an issue for me. And if that's you, if you're a chronic worrier, or you're like, you know what? Worry has been an issue for me. Would you please just raise your hand? Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Hands up. They're all over people, because we all worry. Let's pray. God, I pray that each hand that is lifted up would be reminded that you are a big and powerful God. And you can take hold of all of our worries. And right now, whatever that thing is that you're worried about, this is what I want to invite you to do. Just silently, not out loud, just silently. But you would name what that is. I am worried about what is it? And then I'd like you to simply quietly say to God, 
God, I give whatever it is. I give this to you. I give it all to you, God. I surrender this worry to you. And I ask that you help me to trust you no matter what and to not take it out of your hand. You can put your hand down. You know, I was thinking today that maybe for some of you, you're here and the reality is what your biggest worry is, is are you right with God? Maybe you've never made a commitment to God or you've never um, really chosen Him. You've drifted away from Him. Maybe you think, I've messed up too much. Uh, There's too many things in my past. There's no way that God would accept me or receive me. Well, I want you to know today that He wants to take on that worry that you're not good enough and to take it into His hands. Because God is here and He loves you and He wants a relationship with you. So if that's you, if you're at a place where you're like, you know what? I'm ready. I'm tired of doing this life on my own and I've been worried that I'm not in a good place with God or I've drifted away and I'm not sure that if today's the day that God, I not only give you my worries, but today, God, I want to give you my whole life because I need your forgiveness. I need your love. I need your promise to be with you in heaven. If that's you today, I invite you to simply repeat this prayer after me. And you don't pray alone here at the jar. We always pray in community. And so I simply invite you to pray this prayer after me. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live with you. I give you my life. I give you my worries. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray.